Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stan Chum, the bearded legend, you know who it is, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode number 124, and another Groundhog Day to talk about, unfortunately. We'll be discussing that match uh, with Ozone's Matt Hiscock later on in this episode. Oh, and we have a small matter of a new managerial appointment to discuss. But as always, we always start with our friends over at the Supporters Club. Yep, so one match to tell you about. It's on Saturday, the 23rd of December against Maidstone. So coaches leave the Supporters Club for this one at half past 11 in the morning and the match kicks off at 3pm. The cost for this one is £22 for adults and £19 for concessions. There's a £3 surcharge to non-members and please note that those prices do not include your match day ticket. So you can book for this one in the supporters club or on the travel line, which is 07722-135-970. One more update to tell you about from the supporters club. The popular Christmas beer festival is taking place on Friday, the 22nd of December. So the night before Maidstone. So doors open at five for this and it is free to get in. The beers featured this year will be from the Morden Brewery. And as usual, you can gorge yourselves on the never ending supply of Freeman's pies. Awesome. So that'd be quite a night. Get yourselves down there. Be good night at the supporters club. Sounds fantastic. So moving on then, we've got a fantastic update from the from the Leighton Orient Trust. So thanks to Howard for, for, as always, for providing us with this. On Thursday, the 23rd of November, Freddie Moncur, Miles Judd and Jamie Sendles-White paid a visit to Jewish Care's Vine John Rubin's Care Home in Gantz Hill as part of the annual Mitzvah Day celebrations. Uh, this is the seventh consecutive year the club have popped in to chat to the staff and residents, and as usual, some great memories were shared. The annual Junior Supporters Christmas Party has now been officially announced for Sunday, the 17th of December, so a date for your diary there. Uh, 12 till 2 in the gallery at the football club. All the squad will be there, plus, of course, our very own Theo, and maybe even... Father Christmas. Wow. So you need to get down there. Please check the club website for details on how to book as places are rather limited. Every year the club put photos up and it always looks like a great event. Loads oh, of yeah. cheers, loads of players, everyone smiling. Might be just a thing that you need to reinvigorate your support for Orient. So if you have got little ones, book up. That's sure to be a great day. You go? No. <laughs> no? Okay, fair enough. Uh, members of the squad will also be attending Whips Cross and Homerton Hospital's Children's Ward later this month. Also, an early shout-out from the Trust regarding a Theo's Christmas football special, which will be held at the Score Centre on Thursday the 21st of December from 10 till 3. Look out for details on how to book on the website, or you can call 0208 556 5973. Yeah. So, some fantastic work there by the trust. So, a few announcements to make. Mr. Levy, do you need a Christmas tree? Personally, I don't, but I know lots of people who do. Okay, I will tell them to look no further. Where so would they look? They would look for non drop Nordman Christmas trees, and they will be available in Carol Langley Florist, which is in Chinkford at 33 Station Road. So, these Christmas trees are available in all sizes from 4 foot to 12 foot, and you can order in store. Or by phone on 0208 529 4130. And here's the kicker you mentioned the podcast, you get 10% off your Christmas tree. Buying power. So not only do we bring you the latest news and views on Leighton Orient, also incredible local deals from your local retailers. So get yourselves down there if you haven't got a Christmas tree yet. And Absolutely. The offers and product 
does not stop there. It doesn't because we have recently taken delivery and I'm looking at two of these very handsome products right now of your very own Orient Outlook podcast mugs. We've got a lot of uh, messages uh, from people about sort of merchandise and stuff like that. So we have delved into the uh, cash reserves of the Orient Outlook podcast <laughs> uh, bank accounts and we have a number of podcasts, uh, podcast mugs. Uh, very good quality uh, with the emblem on it. Make... Uh, Make a great Christmas present for, for somebody. So how much would they be, Paul? If I wanted one, how much would one cost me? It would cost you seven quid. Okay. Just, just seven pounds. Just seven pounds. And if I wanted more than one, what multi-buyer offer oh, could you discount me for? I, I think we could do two for 12. So two for 12 or seven pounds for one. And yeah. how much would postage be on those bad boys? If Not I a lot, postage? actually. Three pounds a mug. Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, we, we've managed to sort out some really good... Uh, Good chip in there. So get your orders in early. You can email us these orders, orientoutlook at outlook.com. You can uh, DM us on Twitter at orientoutlook. You can speak to us at the home game on uh, Saturday, which will be Sutton. You're going, I can't make that. Yeah, so so you'll, you'll be there. I'll but... be taking a few mugs up on Saturday. So you will be able to collect on Saturday, like Paul said, on Twitter, on Facebook, on email. But you're only going to take up what people have ordered rather than taking spares. I'll take a few spares, but not many. Um, but we're only going to limit this run to 100. I don't know if it will print anymore. So make sure if you want a podcast mug, the perfect gift for Christmas or Hanukkah, or just a nice gift for anyone, Absolutely. even a birthday gift. Just want to up, upgrade your, your mug cabinet. And I can confirm, well done to <coughs> Pierre Fleet, who has placed the first order for two. So Pierre Fleet has ordered two, so there's only 98 mugs <laughs> left. So get your orders in. So moving on in to the week that was. Monday the 27th of November at 1pm, the FA Trophy first round draw was made and we were drawn away to Haringey Borough. The tie will be played on Saturday the 16th of December. That is just up the 406, yeah. down the A10, turn right onto White Hart Lane instead of left. Uh, I guess it depends on what way you come, but they are on White Hart Lane. <laughs> so a couple, couple of things to note about Haringey. Their manager, Tom Luizu, was formerly a coach at Orient. He's John Sitton's brother-in-law. Amazing. That is amazing. So apparently John Sitton tweeted as well that when the draw was made, Tom predicted he would draw out late in Orient mm. at home. Like yeah. He called it perfectly. Did he? Yeah. Uh, also, they play on a plastic 3G pitch, that's so ignore the pictures that you see on Google because that's of their old... Before it's refurbished, but you know it's going to be a banana. I'll tell you what, isn't it? If there's one type of pitch you don't want to play them on or yeah. anyone on, uh, based on the season so far. Yeah, it's a plastic pitch on a exactly. on a potential cup upset. Absolutely, but there you go. So yeah, and their ground is on White Hart Lane, yeah. so it's nice and easy for everybody. I think to get to yeah tickets on sale now. That is a very small ground, so if you want to go, I'd book up sooner. Yeah. rather than later to get your tickets so Tuesday 28th of November then very quiet day but in the evening rumours about the manager's job started to heat up we got lots of DMs in our Outlook or yeah, we did. Uh, Towers lots of messages lots of people tweeting us to inform us that Justin Edinburgh had the job and then moving on to the 29th of November hey don't fail me baby it's just Justin yeah <laughs> I don't know why that seems so crap now. Um, so yeah, so Justin Edinburgh was announced as um, as the club's new head coach, uh, signing a two and a half year yeah, contract, no less. So Martin Ling said on the appointment, Edinburgh, who most recently managed Skybet League One side Northampton Town and guided Newport County to promotion from the conference in 2013, has agreed a two and a half year deal at the Matrim Stadium. 
goes on to say, we are extremely pleased to be able to welcome Justin to this football club. We built up a criteria for a head coach and Justin ticked all of the boxes. He has experience in the National League, which I feel is of huge importance, but also enjoyed success in this division by achieving promotion with Newport. What I really liked about Justin's CV was that he started in non-league and earned his stripes by succeeding at this level before building on that in the Football League. Yeah, Martin then went on to say, we are focused on moving this club forward, but the first hurdle was the most difficult in getting out of this division and it has been proven over the years with several teams that have dropped out of the Football League. Justin has overcome the first hurdle before and is someone that we know can be very productive. He has a record of pulling teams away from trouble and improving them during his reign. It has been an extensive search and we said that we would leave no stone unturned. We feel as a club that we have got the right man and the sooner Justin starts working with our players and gets the season turning around, the better for every single person that's connected to late and all. So that was a quote there from Martin Ling. We did try and get Martin for this evening but it was unavailable unfortunately. Yeah. So my views on that, for me, delighted. You know, as soon as Edinburgh got linked with the job, that was the man who I wanted. Um, he's managed at lower leagues. Um, so I thought he only managed Newport, but I didn't realise he's actually managed at Billericay, Billericay yeah. Fisher, Grays, Russian and Diamonds, and Newport, where he got promoted. So he knows the style of play that is required to get you out of the lower leagues, and this league specifically, having done it with Newport. Um, and when he took over Newport, they were near bottom of the National League, turned them around in the following season, got them up to third, and then got them out through the playoffs. Done something very similar at Gillingham, where he took over a struggling Gillingham team, got a pre-season, and then I think they finished ninth just outside the playoffs, but they were quite unlucky with injuries from what I hear. So he's done very, very well. He also won Conference Manager of the Year that year at Newport. Uh, so for me, ticks the boxes. He's got lower league experience. He's also managed at League One level. Start of the season, he was at League One with Northampton. Um, so I'm very happy. And as always, we give him our support and hope he has a very successful spell. As head coach, Leo, is your thoughts on the appointment of Mr. Edinburgh? Yeah, I'm uh, very happy with this appointment. Um, he has all the traits and the track record, really, that you'd want um, yeah. at this level. Um, he took, as you said earlier, took a struggling team, got them promoted out of this league, helped them to cement themselves uh, with a place back in the Football League. Um, fingers crossed he can do the same for us. It's never, you know, you're not taking on that Justin Edinburgh, you're taking on this Justin Edinburgh with a different squad yeah. in a different environment. So, and, well, well done to Martin Edinburgh, Edinburgh for this. Who, so. He's got a lot more experience now of a high level as well, like in terms of you know yeah. his time at Gillingham. It's all right, I mean everyone's gonna all the naysayers are gonna say, well he didn't do a good job at Gillingham and he didn't do a good job at this one and blah, and he got sacked at Northampton and like the guy got sacked after four games. Like you have to think of that and think, is that the right club for that type of manager? And and you can't base it on that. Otherwise, you know Jose's been sacked. He got sacked at Chelsea. Yeah. You know every, everybody's been sacked from in, within the football community. Everyone's been sacked or fired or left one club for one reason or another you can't just pin it all on the fact that he's got sacked because otherwise you bring an up and coming manager like someone that's got no experience yeah, and everyone will complain that he's got no experience so what what's he going to get you so you know you're damned if you do and you're damned if I you don't and some people are looking at this as a glass half empty I think in Jenny he was quite unlucky because he's done very well as I say they had big injuries and they still finished ninth and in the following season they were doing okay didn't mm. reach the giddy heights that they had once reached but they were stable um, and they then wanted once, more didn't once they once Edinburgh got sacked the team didn't improve. They just stayed as they were, really. So it dropped a bit, if I remember. And the same with Northampton this season. Edinburgh got sacked. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, who's a decent manager as well, has come in, and they're still about to where they are. So teams haven't significantly improved after he's left. So yeah. loads of views that came in, as you'd expect. You know, we get lots of lots of views from all around, which we're very proud of. So I mentioned quite a few of what we got. So starting off with at Boatsy, 
who's had a great appointment for this level. Hopefully he can steady the sinking ship this season and kick on next year. And that is what he seems to do. I think this year he'll steady it up in the summer, bring in more of his own players, get rid of more dead weight, I would say. And yeah. I think next season is when you'll see him really challenging. I think, as hopeful as I am, I can't see us finishing that high now this season. I think anything Just above, relegation I think anything now. top top end of the table, top half of the table would be a job well done by Jackson, yeah. I would say, this season. Absolutely. Next up was Joe Watts Nine who said he definitely tries to play football the correct way, which is promising, but failed miserably at Northampton and back end of Jills. Can't decide whether I'm happy or slightly worried. It won't work out. At Ian Mane, Rene Johnson, if Justin has any tactical nous and ability to see what problems we have, we'll be fine. I don't think it's rocket science, but he's got months to line some players up or to sort out the problem positions we have. Yeah, uh, Linda Norian said, very happy, experienced and has a conference promotion, done a very good job at Newport and think it's a good move. Lot to do though, as he has to get the players working as they have been terrible in recent months and the heads are truly down. I believe Justin can get them very fired up. Yeah, Steve LOFC said, no doubt some fans will have a bit of a moan as they will only see as far as he got sacked and off Hampton earlier this season rather than yeah. the bigger picture. Experienced at non-league and has got Newport back into the league and done fairly well at Gillingham, so he has my support. No, I think that's just just we were on the same page there. Paul Staines eighty six said proven track record and could get the bum kicker we need to sort the team out. Transfer window will be interesting if he's able to bring in who he knows. Yeah, good point there. Yeah. Alright, Sphinkter says aside from a manager already in the National League, he was my favourite relevant experience and a point to prove. Well happy, and that's a good point. He does have a point to prove. Sacked from his last two jobs. Yeah. He'll wanna he'll wanna get his reputation back on board and as well as it's a great opportunity for the club. It's a big opportunity for him to get his name back on the map. Yeah, Dirk Turk tweeted saying great appointment. Someone who knows this league has been promoted from it and usually has positive and quick starts in new jobs, which is what we need. Yeah, Jack Coates 14 says Justin needs to install discipline into the side and sort out the defence let's hope he proves to be the right man for the job MB Quain said no one really stood out to be honest Edinburgh is young already and has a and has a good deal of managerial knowledge and experience at different levels so it could be a good appointment got to be optimistic I mean he's 47 years old I thought he was is slightly he? younger but I did he's been well. there and done that uh, at Hope he's Point. aged well hasn't he to be fair. Very well. Good looking good looking chap as well. Well Justin. no, he just doesn't look forty like he's like three years he's gonna be fifty. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have said he looks near as fit nearly fifty. Good like, sign. More like early forties. Good sign. Yeah. Hope boy two nine one. So let's hope he's just in time. Yeah, very short, sharp to the point. Well done. Lee Gibbs one said happy with that. Don't know how it would go, only time will tell, but has experience. I think that's just the same with any appointment, yeah. really. You can't please some fans though, referencing him being sacked. The best managers in the world get sacked, and most will be sacked during their careers. Get behind him and the team. Yeah, like that tweet at Timothy James CI2 says, Hope he does well. He will have a tough, thankless task motivating this bunch of misfits and shaping them into a team that might climb the table. Hope he can infuse some interest amongst them. At Fleety, LOFC said, Potentially the biggest appointment in the O's history. Fans need to remember the ability and effort the players have been putting into recent games before grabbing Edinburgh by the neck. He will be here a long time, so we must back him. Yeah, Dave M1812 says, Every manager has mixed results at different clubs. Edinburgh only really has failed at Northampton. Every appointment has a bit of fingers crossed about it, so let's all get behind him and not judge him until the end of the season. I like that one, like what we said earlier in the yeah, podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Gold931 said, This is a great choice for the O's. The board and the staff have made a great choice and all credit to them. I can't think of a managerial appointment in the last five years better than Edinburgh. Yeah. Uh, down underscore underscore south. So we all need to get behind the manager, his staff, the board and the squad. Whether we like them or not, it's a new start. Yeah, at, uh, Evan O's fan said, probably the best and realistic appointment we could make at this time 
get us out of trouble and build next summer to better things. Yeah, Kid Sampson knows it better than Davis, but another dubious appointment. Falling into the same trap of appointing someone on a downward spiral rather than going for a manager who is currently doing the business. Yeah, Ben D. Bollard said a bit deflated in honesty due to his mixed CV. However, I'll back the guy to the hilt and hope he can turn the tide. The key for me is that he is given scope to change things and overhaul the squad because it needs that to happen. Major surgery is definitely required. It's now a big job. Yeah, all right, Dave, all things considered, a good appointment. Promotion at this level with Newport guided them to a respectable position in their first football league season. Should show up the defence, just what we need right now. Darren M28 said, not sure what Orient fans expect. Very good appointment. The best out of work, in brackets, candidate was, that was realistic. We wish him all the luck up the O's. Yeah, Orient underscore Vikings says, the moaning about Edinburgh, who do people think we would get, Pep? Jose, people talking about Cowley are in cuckoo land. Mm. We are non-league and have got a boss ideal for us for the next couple of years. I think you make some good points there. I think oh. a few people mentioned Cowley, but... Like they're going to come to us yeah. from Lincoln. They're on a massive thing there. In a football league club yeah. that they've got running how they want. They're not, I agree. I, ridiculous. Alan McClarwan said, uh, listen to his interview and he appeared focused and confident. Also, what pleased me was that he appreciated the tradition and st- stature of our club. Let's back him all the way. Yeah, I think that was Alan talking about his interview that he put on YouTube and on Ozone. So if you've not watched it yet, worth a listen. Like, Yeah, Charlie asked some really good questions. Yeah, and Justin came across very well. You know, I think good points there from Alan at Dear Stu. Says, I'm over the moon with it. Good luck, Justin. We are all behind you. Let's make Brisbane Road a fortress. Hashtag our club. So those were all tweets and views that came into at Orient Outlook and at Orient Outlook at Outlook.com. So thank you for all your views and keep sending them in. Yep. So then on to Thursday, the 30th of November, 11.30am, Waltham Forest Council unveiled a statue of Orient legend Laurie Cunningham in Coronation Gardens. Attended by lots of Laurie's ex-teammates from the O's, Cyril Regis and his son Sergio as well were there. This event got a lot of publicity, lots of videos, articles and tweets. So well done to everyone involved. And, you know, what an outstanding tribute yeah, to one of agree. the great, yeah, arguably one of the greatest yeah. players ever to wear an orange shirt. And I read somewhere that he told um, the manager at the time that he wanted to end his career at Orient. That was he wanted mate. to come back from... That was our time, and that was an article in that match magazine that was oh, highly sent yeah, yeah, yeah. to us by that Catherine, uh, Catherine, Catherine Large. Large. So, That's great right. to see some great publicity there. I think it was in the sun on the following morning. It made the evening standard, standard. in the evening. Lots of Twitter activity. BBC lots London of Sport. activity from West Brom Football Club as well. And lots of them fans, West Brom fans, calling out their club for not doing anything to respect Laurie as well, because obviously he made a massive impact uh, one other guy they were like the th- there's three black players in yeah. that squad at that time and the abuse that they got yeah, that so they fan- suffered fantastic work from the Terrible. from Wolfram Forest Council who've yeah. done fantastic there and I'll be you know on Saturday going to have a look at the statue and to see it in all its glory so if you're going on Saturday stop by to Coronation Gardens and go and have a look at the statue but a massive well done and thumbs up to everyone involved in that and on Thursday afternoon yeah. the club confirmed that the third round tie uh, against West Bromwich Albion in the FA Youth Cup will be played this Tuesday, the 5th of December. Kicks off at 7pm and is only a fiver. So if any of you are heading up Birmingham Way on Tuesday evening, take a stop in at West yeah. Brom because that might be a bit of a cup upset there. You can only hope. So well done and big luck to Danny Webb's young Red Army. Yeah, then it was Mooney Friday on the 1st of December. The club announced that Jamie Sendles White has been given a further two-match suspension after being charged with misconduct by the FA, uh, which will relate which relates to his interaction with the match official 
after his sending off in the draw at home to Chester. Jamie will now miss Solihull and Sutton matches. Yeah, so for me, I'm not surprised by this. I remember when we watched it, he got sent off. After he's shown the red, argues with the ref. And I remember being quite surprised that he doesn't walk off. He gets the ball and he punts it down the field. And I remember thinking at the time, Jamie, if you get away with this, you're going to be a very lucky young man, mate, because you can't do that in footy these days. And refs won't have that. So for me, not surprised. Um, just disappointed. Because you can't do that. So yeah. another two games where you'd want him in the team and he's not there. Your views on that one? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's stupid. It's petulant. It shows a lack of discipline. I appreciate he was frustrated by what he'd seen. But in this day and age where you know the, the officials are looking to make names for themselves, so they're, they're, they're literally going to be on us all the time. You've got to maintain your discipline and you've got to be a better professional than what you might normally be if you was in League One or League Two. And unfortunately, he hasn't. So that, that's, that's now cost us another, opportun- another player uh, sort of option, whether it's on the bench yeah. or... Or, or, or within the squad so it, it's a shame yeah. um, also uh, on Friday the club confirmed that Mark Ellis has now returned back to parent club Carlisle and we thank Mark for his efforts uh, for the club and wish him the best for the future yeah I mean I think we're all a bit disappointed with Mark Ellis really he never seemed to settle came with a lot of goodwill from Carlisle fans we were very surprised that we actually got him we started quite a few games yeah. earlier in the season came Not with positive. a big reputation he'd worked with Martin and Steve Davis before you know what will happen, he'll go back to Carlisle, he'll get in the team and he'll do well there and he'll be fine. Makes no sense to me that that would actually happen, but yes, it probably will happen. I agree with what you're saying. Will. Percy never rated him, thought he was awful for us every time he put on an orange shirt, to be honest. A bit harsh, he scored, he scored what could be a vital goal or a way to wreck some. Yeah, true. That's a vital point. I wouldn't say he was awful, just very disappointing. One in the scheme game. Of, in the scheme of things... Yeah. You could say they've all been they've all been disappointing and awful, <coughs> couldn't you really? So, so let's move on. Yeah, so Saturday, second of December, happy birthday to my wife who does not listen to the podcast, so <laughs> no point in wishing her happy birthday. <coughs> but I will wish a happy birthday Go to on. goalkeeping coach Dean Brill, who turned yes. 32 yesterday. Well spotted. The under 18s had another great result. They won 2 0 at Southampton, uh, sorry, at Northampton Town, uh, with Rule Satoriu getting a brace. Well done. So well done, Rule. Yeah, and then in the afternoon we had Solly Hall Way in a bottom of the table clash. Justin Edinburgh's first match in charge of Leighton Orient. So the team was announced with Dean Brill making his Orient debut in goal. Judd and Gala happy and Wilson at the back with McEnough, Ochin, Clay and Dayton in the midfield <coughs> and Harold and Bob making up a 4-4-2 with everyone playing in normal positions or their preferred positions. Amazing. Substitutes bench with Charlie Granger, Aaron Pollock, Zane Westbrook, Sam Dolby and David Mooney. Yeah, so four changes for Orient. As you mentioned, Dean Brill comes in uh, as goalkeeper making his first appearance uh, for a team, for any team, since 2015. Absolutely. So hopefully he's not too ring rusty. Yeah. Uh, Miles Judd replaces the suspended Jacob Priest. Ochang replaced Lawless. And Harold started up top with Macaulay Bond. So your views in on the team? Yeah, a few surprises for me when I saw that yeah. come up. Um, yeah, I like that we've gone with experience, Dean Brewer in goal. Give the young younger lads a, a bit of a break. Uh, Ocheng over Lawless, who I assume is injured. Um, hope Judd does well in his natural right-back position. He showed very, very positive signs when he played there last season. Uh, I like the fact we've gone with a flat 4-4-2, so it'll be really interesting to see how this works. What do you think? Like it. I think Edinburgh's made some big calls. I think putting Dean Brewer in goal was quite a big call. Um, I think starting Ocheng in the centre mid was also quite a big call. Bonner and Howard up front should cause Solihull some problems. I like the formation we're playing with. And I think... 
playing everyone in their preferred positions is a good start for manager only in the job for three days so obviously yeah. we write down those comments as the team's announced not after the match so yeah. hindsight is a is wonderful a wonderful, thing. wonderful thing we couldn't make it yesterday so we've gone uh, and sourced the sort of next best resource <laughs> that we could possibly find and we are now delighted to welcome back making his podcast return um, the co-commentator on Ozo Mr Matt Hitchcock welcome Matt Gents, how are you? Yeah, good are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, all considering. <laughs> all things being considered, yeah, absolutely. What were your thoughts on the team when you saw that being announced, Matt? Uh, well, I, get, I mean, you've, you've kind of called it out firstly. Um, I mean, big, big, big call, um, bringing Dean Brill into the team. Um, as soon as I saw his name on the team sheet, I had a look immediately to see when the last time he played a competitive game of football and it was two and a half years ago. Um, I think it was Inverness versus Celtic. Wow. So that's a massive call to bring someone in. And I know um, you might argue, well, he's probably played a few games behind closed doors and he's probably played the odd reserve game. But that's a massive call to bring someone in. Um, but Justin Edinburgh, um, interesting, isn't it? He's been in, uh, I think he was in the building 24 hours. I think he only had one day with the players, which was Friday. And immediately he's made made a call. He's made a big change. Um, I have to say, it's um, on, on reflection, it wasn't a bad one. I think Dean Brew had a had a reasonable game yesterday. But um, there's been a lot of talk all season about the goalkeeping situation, um, win, lose, or draw. There's there seems to be a common common um, discussion point among fans around the goalkeeper. So um, Justin Edinburgh, he's done what he's paid to do, um, and that's to manage, make make these decisions, and he's he's made one straight away. So that for me was the uh, the, the big the big uh, spot on the team sheet. Um, of course, Henry Ocheng as well coming into it, um, centre midfield. Slightly surprised at that. I, I get Alex Lawless is um, obviously still out injured with a with a groin injury, but uh, young Ocheng he, he's had quite a difficult ride to be fair to him this season. Uh, I think the last time he played, um, I know he came on as a substitute in the uh, the replay of the cup game, but I think it might have been Hartlepool. He's lost appearance, so he hasn't really been in and around the squad. So that was also also a big call um, by Justin in Edinburgh. Are you impressed that we've got Justin Edinburgh? I mean, we, we sort of earlier in the podcast went through all the our, our views and fellow fan views. What just very quickly before we go into the match, what were your views on on, on Justin's appointment? Yeah, do you know what? I, I I think when you look at it, I, I think he'll do all right for us. Um, and I say that when you look at the position that we're in, um, the league that we're in. I think it's without being disrespectful to Justin Edinburgh. I think he's probably the best that we're going to get. You know, it's going to be very difficult for us to try and lure a manager away from a football league club, and even in the national league. You look where we are at the moment. Managers will look at that and think that's a big, big task to come in and, and try and change the fortunes around. I think what I like about Justin Edinburgh's appointment, um, and I know it was highlighted by by Martin Ling, is that. You cannot hide behind the fact that he has done it. He has got proven success at this level. Um, with Newport County in 2013, it's quite an interesting story. You look at it, I think they were uh, 23rd from memory when he came in. Um, he managed to keep them up that season. They finished 19th, but he also got them in the FA Trophy final. So they had a day out of Wembley. The very next season, he hit the ground running. He made some changes to the squad. And effectively, he achieved promotion through the playoffs. So I think that proven track record 
is very difficult to um, to hide behind. That that makes him the standout candidate. It's very difficult to know who else was obviously in the in the final six. I understand there were six um, on the shortlist, and um, of course they would have been given a thorough interview. But I think Justin Edinburgh, they, the credentials, the proven track record for me, I think it's um, it's the best appointment we could have made. Spot on, there, Matt, and some great points. So moving on into Justin Edinburgh's first game in charge, what what was the atmosphere like in the Orient end? I mean, we're, we're hopeful. Or? <laughs> Well, you call it you call it the Orient End, Steve. I mean, it, it was almost the Orient Heart yeah. because it was staggering. I mean, I think uh, around a gate of eleven hundred, we took almost half the gate. Which again, I, I mean, the support for me is absolutely outstanding. I, I really, I must be honest. On on some occasions, I've been stunned. I know there's always the new ground factor, which which um, pulls a few out from the woodwork. But for me, given given the run of form, I mean, going into yesterday, fourteen league games without a win. The, the support has been absolutely immense um, and I think unfortunately, although it pains me to say it, I think the, the fans are, are being shortchanged massively at the moment, um, particularly by the players and, and the performance which I'm sure we're going to was, um, was frightening to be honest with you. There's, uh, I think it would have been a massive wake-up call for Justin Edinburgh yesterday, the amount of work he's got to do to try and get this team lifted and, and get them firing and first of all, get them a win. Yeah, and that's going to be key, and that hopefully will be a, uh, a corner turner for us. But with just eight minutes on the clock, Joby McEnough gets a free kick uh, that he fires, obviously, towards goal, but it comes back to him, and he then found Matt Harold, and he headed uh, wide with, with Craig Clay just behind him. Guilt edge chance should have done better, or...? Yeah, half chance, to be honest with you, Paul. And I think, uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll try and go through the, these highlights and you'll, uh, you'll you'll probably be trying to jog my memory because if I'm honest with you, it shouldn't take us too long. <laughs> it, it wasn't There wasn't too many chances in the game and the best yeah. ones from where it came from long distance. But that one in particular, again, yeah, a crossover to Matt Harold. Um, I guess we could, we could probably be here all night talking about uh, the performance. But generally... It, it was one of the rare occasions where we did fan, uh, manage to find Matt Harold in and around the penalty area. And um, I think there's still this... Uh, I think one of the things that certainly uh, flags to me is that there's still this kind of philosophy of kind of pass it, pass it, pass it. And sometimes it's just a little bit too patient. I think sometimes we could be a lot more direct to get the ball into Matt Harold. And yesterday, again for me, another occasion where we just didn't use the big man anywhere near as much as we should be doing. Yeah, and I think he made, made a good point there. I think it is too passy pass and hopefully Justin knowing the league and knowing what uh, football you need to play to get out of it will hopefully adjust the style. And that's probably the highlight of Orient's first half as we're going to come on to quite a few chances for Solihull as Orient found themselves lucky not to be a goal down in the 13th minute as a good ball into the area was headed by Hilton and hit the crossbar. The ball came back to Osborne and his shot was blocked away by Wooderson. So was Solihull unlucky there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, decent delivery in by the, by the full-back, uh, Leprosy Cross, uh, the forward. Uh, he just got across his man. Uh, he was a decent header, actually, to be fair. Uh, it's had unfortunate. He's hit the, uh, hit the underside of the bar. He's come out um, and it was followed up. Solihull player reacted first. Full credit to be fair to Joe Widdison, um, because he actually threw his body out, he put his body on the line. Um, he actually took one in the midriff. Um, it was a brave block and it, it I mean had had he not got there, I think it was certainly goal bound, um, possibly would have been the opening goal of the afternoon. But um again crosses seem to be a, a problem for us, don't they? It doesn't matter uh, who's in the back line, who's in goal. Uh, these crosses seem to be coming in week after week and we 
seem to be struggle, uh, struggling defensively to, uh, to avert the danger. Yeah, I agree. Because um, then just four minutes later, Dean Brill dropped across Kelleher, then has a shot block, which then went out for a solid hole corner. And then just five minutes later, Osborne gets the ball at the back post. Again, he's denied by Brill. So Dean Brill called into action to really stop us from going behind within within five minutes. Um, I think it's fair to say he had a pretty strong game overall, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I think, I think um, as I say, the, uh, look, at the, look at the time he's been out. I mean, I know he's, he's 32 years of age, which, which isn't, isn't that old, uh, given some of his uh, colleagues and, and, and opponents in this division anyway. Yeah. But um, two and a half years out, you, you're going to be a little bit scratchy. Um, but to, to be fair to Dean Brill, I think the only time really um, where he, he uh, caused a bit of panic around was when he dropped that ball early on and you thought, OK. I mean, it was it was pretty wet conditions and um, there was a lot of dew on the surface, but uh, he dropped it and it should have been a, a comfortable catch. But shortly after that, he, uh, he made a couple of big saves and, and one in particular again, which I think just gave him a bit of confidence and also the fans because um, the Orient fans were, were packed in behind that goal. Um, in the first half, so um, or we're defending the, the end that uh, the O fans were packed in, and uh, it just calmed things down. And I think uh, it gave the fans a little bit, um, a little bit of encouragement to, to get behind him. Um, and and uh, as I say, I think overall, in, in answer to Paul's question, I think he has to he has to be fair. He was probably the uh, the best of a. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> a, a, a bit of a bad bunch if I want to but he, he made three or four good saves yesterday yeah I did see that sorry we'll try and pick out the back post and Daly in particular to try and cause a few problems mm-hmm. and Brom made a good like you said a good amount of saves in the first half in the 35th minute though Howell knocked the ball down for Dayton who had a shot which was well saved by O'Leary that's probably as good as it got in the first half for Orient by the sounds of it yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know about you guys. I watch the watch the highlights uh, as I generally always do, but I, I'm not sure that was going in that effort by Dayton. But that really summed up the first half uh, performance. The best opportunity for us was from 25, 30 yards. James Dayton with a bit of room in front of him. We know he can uh, score from that position. We have seen it before, likes of uh, Ed Sweet, of course. But um, Dayton had, had a bit of space in front of him. I think he was getting a bit frustrated because there wasn't too much happening in the game, particularly from an attacking um, perspective. So yeah, he pulled the trigger. Tad unfortunate, but um, Keeper just made a, a save to his left just to, to make sure. But I think it was going wide anyway. Yeah, and I guess the rest of the first half was played out. Not much else to talk about. So a disappointing first 45 minutes, I guess, for Justin Edinburgh uh, to kind yeah. of see what, what the team were capable of. It sounds like Solihull could have gone in at least a goal up, so we were quite lucky to get in at 0-0. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the attendance was 1,118, and as we alluded to earlier, uh, 533 of those uh, were away fans, and that is literally, like you said earlier, Matt, 50% of the crowd were Orient fans, so it should have sounded more like a home match yeah. being played at a, a neutral ground, if you like, which is which is phenomenal. Um, and, and obviously, as we'll come to it, you know, we, we, we were short-changed. Just out of interest, we haven't mentioned this, but ex-Orient player Darren, um, Darren Carter... Uh, was was in their was in their defence. Snap, sorry. I, I think you're thinking you're maybe thinking Danny Carter, but um, no. Yeah, Darren, Darren Carter, ex ex West Brom, Birmingham. Um, he, he was a skipper for them. He, he took the penalty at the end, which I'm sure we'll come oh, on to. But yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he was winning that ball in the middle point. of the park. He did about 30 years ago. He's thinking of another Darren Carter, my friend. Oh, so okay. second half kicked off, uh, and we're lucky not to go down after just a minute as a. Poor start, second half. Afalayan got in, got a one-on-one and Brill, Brill saved well and it seemed like he was causing 
a few problems to the Orient defence early in the second half. Yeah, and again, I mean, <laughs> again, you you get frustrated because the way that opportunity came about was um, Orient uh, playing the ball in the uh, in their own half, and it was a wayward back pass which put in Athelayan into a one-on-one situation. Um, and again, it's it's an absolute repeat of what we saw last week at Torquay. Within a minute of kicking off the second half, you lose possession and you can see the goal from it. So it just seems some of these things are coming out time and time again um, and whether that's uh, a case of that the player's not able to deal with the instructions they're being given or a lack of concentration um, I don't know but again it was a testament Dean Brill raced out the goal just made himself big and Gaffalayan's first touch probably let him down a bit to be honest with you because um, by the time he composed himself to, to shoot on goal Brill had made himself big and um, he managed to, to make a big save but um, that was again um, just after half time Debrill managed to keep him out there but not for much longer it's in the 58th minute and it sounded like it had been coming Solihull took the lead as Carter across to the back post again and Daly was there to head past Brill to make it 1-0 another cookie cutter carbon copy Groundhog Day type goal for us where I think it was Angala should have been marking him apparently and I think you guys you and Dave commented on that and it's just we just switched off and there is there is at the back post unmarked easy for them right Yeah absolutely I mean again it, it was it was very difficult to watch yesterday um, not not because it was just an abundant lack of quality all over the pitch but just the fact that we we create so many problems for ourselves and I mean, the actual delivery from, from Carter came about. Um, it was a free kick where Bonzangala um, got just pulled out of position. He was um, on the left-hand side and he just committed a foul, which he just didn't need to make. Um, the, the player on the ball was um, was going away from goal. There was no danger at all. Mangala just basically lunged in and gave the referee... No choice. In fact, it was actually the linesman who was right next to him. So it was it, again, it just shows even more um, lack of discipline. I think at times, and then from the resulting free kick, the ball comes in as you say, and um, the centre half at the back post, Daly just gets up above Ngala, who was marking him. Which again, I think we went man for man. Um, so you have to look at the uh, the marker who was picking him up. Um, looking back on it on the on the highlights, it did look like it was Ngala's man. And um, unfortunately, the, the head has um, given Solly Hull the lead. It's disappointing as we go goal down. So Justin changed it up in the 66th minute. He brought on David Mooney for Matt Harold, hoping and, to make a change. Yeah, and then four minutes after that, Dan Happy is booked after clashing with Athelayan. I mean, how, how did we respond to going to goal down? Did you get the feeling that we were ever going to get back in it, or was it as soon as we went one down and you're thinking, that's it, we're not going to get anything out of this today? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I think I think you always have the hope uh, at 1-0, you're always in the game. Um, I don't think you can, ever, you can ever write yourself off. But, I mean, given the given the lack of creativity we showed, um, just lack of nails, really, uh, all over the pitch at, at certain times, um, it was always going to have to come. If we were going to get an equaliser, you felt it was going to come from an error from Solihull. Um and, and, and this, this might sound sound disrespectful, but um, obviously you guys weren't there, but, but they were a poor side. They really were, guys. I mean, it, <laughs> you look at the league table, it, it's very difficult to, to hide behind that comment, but they didn't really show much 
throughout the afternoon. But yet they were the comprehensive winners and they fully deserved the three points, which, which makes it even more frustrating. I don't think we really tested them anywhere near enough as we should be. You look at where the creative players are in the Orient team, Mackin up, Dayton, didn't get them on the ball anywhere near as much as we should have in the dangerous areas. Matt Howell wasn't really a threat because there wasn't enough crosses coming into the box. And Macaulay Bond did what Macaulay Bond normally does, which is work hard, running into the channels where possible, but he didn't really get any service, if I'm honest with you. And it was um, it was a real frustrating afternoon. And even with the, with the fans that we had there, I think had we given them half a chance, half a light, they would have really got behind the team. But it just wasn't coming, sadly, to say. Then in the 73rd minute, Sam Dolby came on for Henry Ochang as the O's switched to a 4-1-2-1-2 formation with Dolby and Bon up front and Dave Mooney playing in behind them. Uh, and then three minutes later, we got a corner, which is headed back into the box, which led to a scramble. But unfortunately, Solihull managed to clear their lines. Yeah, and the match went on. 83rd minute, of shots were a penalty as Bon shot hit Carter on the arm, but the referee waved away the appeal and the match in its dying minutes in the 85th Brill saved a low effort from Thomas and in the 87th minute Mackinough had an effort from 25 yards that flies over the bar so again another long range effort and Mackinough looking to get on the score sheet yeah and then four minutes of injury time were played and then in the 92nd minute um, Matt Solihull got a penalty um, Bomb brought down Green can you just quickly talk us through what, what happened there mate yeah, I mean, Solihull just took a, um, uh, it was a, a throw in they had. They took it short and um, just looked as though we, we switched off a little bit at the back. Macaulay Bond was, was back um, trying to do some defensive work, which probably shows you um, or, or probably demonstrates um, the, the type of game it was. I mean, we're, we're heading towards that time when we've got our centre forward back defending towards our own penalty area. But he'd come back. Um, he stuck out a leg, he protested with the official um, it didn't really look to be too many complaints from, from his teammates um, and then um, from the resulting spot kick um, Carter hit it against the post it was quite interesting because where we were commentating yesterday we was right by the, uh, the dugouts and um, the opposition manager Mark Yates as soon as the penalty was given he raced off down the, uh, down the tunnel um, I think if, if we describe it to uh, take a comfort break um, obviously the penalty was missed and I could see as soon as he came out he said to the uh, the fourth official tell me we scored and of course <laughs> he's gone into panic mode thinking oh, they're going to go and break away and, um, and, and maybe create a chance for themselves but uh, it wasn't to be that's amazing but the penalty miss made a little difference just two minutes later the full time whistle goes as the O's lose one to Solihull Justin Edinburgh's first game in charge. That was Solihull's first league win since the 24th of October as the O's go 15 games and three months exactly without a league win. So they've won before we have and then gone and beaten us which shows that they're the form team over us. I think pretty much Arguably, every team is a form, a form team over us. Match to finish up. Your final thoughts on the game then? I guess we've probably already said it but a disappointing performance. Yeah, hugely disappointing. Hugely disappointing and um I'm sure you'll you'll touch on it if you haven't already. There, there was obviously um, a point after the the game where uh, the, the players went over and uh, they caught quite a bit of stick um, from the from the fans, and, and I think it was justified. I, I do have to say because the application from the players throughout the throughout the game wasn't anywhere near as good enough 
um, that it should be, particularly when you're you're wearing a Lake Norian shirt. And there's been a lot of talk, um, particularly in recent weeks, about Orient being a target, being a scout. But the, the players have got to be above this. They've, they've got to learn to deal with that pressure. And, and yesterday, you look at, as say, we, we go back to the gate, we've got half the fans there. That, that, that's common. You're going to be playing in, in those environments and you, you need to step up. Um, I think when you look at it at times, we just look as though we just cannot cope with with that kind of pressure. Um, we, we don't seem to have the ability to win ugly at the moment. Um, and I think we just need to grind out a win. And however that comes, I think any any Orient fan will take it. Um, I think just in Edinburgh, I mean, I know you guys always look at the, the positives um, and you try and look at the positives. Um, and, and I think for me, there was probably two yesterday. One, the fact that we've still got 23 games to go. I think had we began into the latter part of the season with the players we've got and the performances in the form, I would be a very, very concerned man. But the fact we've got 23 games to go, we've still got long enough to sort this horrible mess out. I think the second one is actually, as, as, as sad as it sounds, it might not have been the worst result yesterday, purely for the fact that I think had we perhaps scraped a draw, it might be papering over the cracks somewhat. Great I think point. with that result, I think Justin Edinburgh will look at that and I think he'll be sitting there today thinking we've got a hell of a lot of work to do and it was no surprise after listening to him he spoke very well actually but to say that um, he'd already spoken to the board and um, they'd all agreed that we would need to bring one or two players in I wouldn't be surprised if we see five or six changes to that team yesterday in the next few weeks I think of course we've got the likes of Ella Kobe and Corson who are making their way back from recovery. But aside from them, I think Justin Edinburgh is going to have to look to reshape that team and he's going to have to do it pretty fast. Yeah, and just to add to the first point that you made, not only have we got 23 games, we've also got a transfer window in that as well. So he's coming at the right time where he's got time to assess what he needs. Um, we've got two local derbies over Christmas and New Year and then obviously the window is open. And I think Kent had mentioned about us not doing our business till sort of towards the end of the window, which obviously we as a fan base obviously hope that we do it sooner rather than later. But I guess that's down to who Justin identifies as who he wants to bring in, if they're available, who we ship out, I guess. But you made some great yeah. points, Matt. Thank you ever so much indeed for coming on and, and giving up uh, some of your Sunday evening. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you'll see an improved performance next week. Oh, just, just a win will do, guys. Just a win. <laughs> just a win, yeah. Nothing less. Thanks very much again, Cheers, Pat. Man. Take care. You're very welcome. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So those were the thoughts of Ozone co-commentator <coughs> Matt Hiscox. And again, making some absolutely fantastic points there. Points. So thank you very much to Matt. So after the game, Justin Edinburgh said, I need more aggression, more physicality, and for them to understand the league they are in. This is the biggest club in the National League, and what we have to do is embrace that and not fear it. I feel we probably have to make one or two additions to give us that edge and physically, we are missing at this level. We've got some very good footballers and young players with huge potential, but is it right for them to be learning their trading in the position we are in right now? Probably not. He went on to finish by saying there was a lot of hard work to be done, but I'm fully aware of the job I've been asked to do, and I will do it. I like that from Justin. I think that's very good. He also told Dave Victor that Josh Coulson will return to training next week, so that will be a big, 
big boost for the squad to have Josh back. Yeah, as long as he's not rushed back. Yeah. Uh, the league table, we're now halfway through the season and that defeat means that we remain 20th in the National League. We are only three points above relegation uh, as we've played 23. Won five, drawn six, lost two with a goal difference lost of minus... 12. Sorry, beg your pardon, lost 12. Um, goal difference of minus 13 and only on 21 points. So, so your views in, I think they're probably going to be sharp and cutting, but probably... Well, let's see. let's see. Let's see. Groundhog Day strikes again for us. I listened to a lot of the match on Ozone and it's another poor and inadequate display, infuriating possibly to say the least. Joby went over to speak to some fans at the end of the match and if any of the current team do listen, I'm going to be quite frank with you. We're fed up with meaningless apologies and the we must do better and we'll do better comments. It's about time you either started to show effort, endeavour and willingness to fight in an orange shirt or put in a chance for a request and leave. You're shortchanging us fans and the owners who have put, up, put, who have put great faith in you. This is a fantastic club with an amazing support that you won't get elsewhere. But we expect nothing but 100% effort every time you wear an Orient shirt. And right now, you should feel embarrassed that you let a poor team who are bottom of the league beat you. Nicely done. Frankly. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it happens again. I know a repeat performance, disappointing. And their goal was coming. It could have been worse, but we were lucky to get out of a 1-0 defeat uh, to a team who we should really be beating comfortably. We went to the first home game in the season. The Solihull were very good. That's probably the best way I can describe it. Well done to Justin, though, for a few bold selections. I think you've got to, have to give him credit there, as you can only choose who you have. I don't like fans and players arguing at full time, but like we said like before on the podcast, yeah. fans don't mind losing, and Orient will lose games. They just want players to show some fight, desire and grit. And if you lose and you've done that, then it's fine, it's, fine. it's fair enough. But Absolutely. If you don't, and those qualities are missing, then there's always going to be ag. And if players are going to go up to the away end and start talking after a defeat like that I don't know what they expect fans to say oh it's alright don't worry about it you try it yeah, cheers if, for coming if they over. don't try just clap the fans and just go on the tunnel you don't need to come and try and have a dialogue because that's never going to work it's only going to lead to situations like we saw yesterday because everyone's emotions are heated at that point it's just after the full time whistle doesn't need to be done I wonder what Joby heard a fan say that made him engage yeah absolutely Joby you're more than welcome to come on the podcast we accept yeah. players on any time um, if but, anyone knows JB and can put us in touch, then or he wants to comment through someone, yeah, that's mate. absolutely fine. But for well. me, worrying times, you know, we've had a run of easier games that you look at on paper: Torquay, Chester, and Solihull, all below us in relegation places. We've only taken one point from nine out of those three games, and yeah. those are teams who are probably going to be relegated. Yeah. So for me, the only positive I can take, along with Matt, is Edinburgh is stupid, and he will know where the problems are and they lie, and it'd be interesting to see who he goes with next week in his team. Yep, so those were our views and uh, now it's time for your views and obviously we always get a huge amount of feedback after a match so thank you to everybody uh, for giving us your views on our social media accounts and again we try and read out as many as we possibly can but just because we read them it doesn't mean we agree with them and there yep. are a lot of angry and upset fans after this match. So here of a few of the ones that we actually received. Les LK52 said, don't know where we go from here. Only hope is good use of the transfer window and injured players returning. My lowest point in 50 years supporting wow. the club. Paul Jamo, 63, says, Justin Ennebar will be in no doubt now that sweeping changes are needed, but I'm confident he will turn things around. Essex Biz said, sack the players, they're an embarrassment to the club. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. I'm not going to waste my hard-earned money on these so-called footballers. Won't be going to games again until there's a fight. 
fans are fighting for the players, but the players most certainly aren't fighting for the fans. And that's from someone who's always usually yeah, really, really positive. So that's a that's a real change in, in attitude. And there. Stephen Orange says, I hope we hear Justin say something to encourage us and give us some hope. Not the same that we normally hear from managers, as this group of players do not seem up to it. And in response, David Sears 3 said, the same week in, week out. O's manager and players on a Friday, we go again. We need to show passion and be aggressive. Orient team on a Saturday, garbage, lack of fight, gutless performance. O's manager after the match says, we weren't good enough, can't defend. Repeat next week. I like it. Nathan O. Richards says, atrocious performance. Brill did well and Wonderson did okay. I can see us going down again with performances like that. Also, a scrap between Brill and Bomb doesn't bode well for team spirit. Now, no one's mentioned this. I didn't no. see this, but Should interesting. Have asked Matt. Yeah. Yeah, and Wooderson got point. quite a lot of plaudits yesterday that we didn't mention. Yeah. Jamie Stripe tweeted saying, The elephant in the room has finally revealed itself. Most of the players here are nowhere near good enough. Edinburgh pulled some selection surprises, but he discovered that he has a squad of imposters on his hands. Yeah, Alp 5399 says, Bloody hell, that was eventful. But on a serious note, the players ought to be ashamed of themselves as they were embarrassments. Only two today to take positive performances were Widowson and Brill. LOFC Chaz tweeted saying, Brill made some good saves, but handling wasn't great and could have saved the goal. Need a new keeper if he wants experience. Ron Sampson 15 says, we need nine or ten new players. As simple as that. Terrible. In reply, Ed Sylvester 1 said, you're absolutely right. They'll have to be lone players though. Justin Edinburgh will need to get on the phone tomorrow morning, calling every favour he can. It's an absolutely diabolical mess. That Matty LOFC Evans says, in dreamland, Kent and Nigel need to get out their checkbooks out and pay off the majority of the squad and we need to start over again in January. In reality, we're lumbered with players who seem to have accepted a relegation before Christmas. We pray for miracles as we are going to need one. At Orient Fan TV, yet another embarrassing performance. These players really care about the predicament that the club is in and to think most of these players were given two-year contracts. How many players have actually earned their wages this season? None, I'd say. Useless. And again, a very positive normally account. Yeah. Being not so positive. That's Orient Electric. Says another week, another all-time low. I didn't expect immediate success, but I would have thought a bit of an effort would have been made today. And normally, when a new manager gets appointed, you see a team raise their game because they're all fighting to stay in the team and fight for the shirt. But we didn't see it yesterday. And again, that's something again that's really, Shocking, really disappointing. Yeah, Lenin Four said hundreds of fans have travelled hundreds of miles this last week because they love this club. If the players can't be bothered to perform against Solihull, they've got to go because those fans deserve, at the very least, a trying effort. Embarrassing again. Do you know what? I'd rather t- I'd rather an Orient team lose four nil, five nil, and they're not just because of the opposition, but they try and blood, sweat, and tears for you. And then the team who lose one nil, who are clearly better than the opposition, who just aren't trying. I'd rather see a team take yeah, everything yeah, and try absolutely. And Richie J. Bourne says, one of the worst performances I've ever seen by the O's. And midfield was non-existent. Happy and watching looked lost. Wilson was superb though and Brill did well. Uh, no one said Brill did Brill. No one's used that. There you go. Odin Walsh, said, if he keeps us up, he deserves manager of the year. The players that deflated at the end, no confidence. Could have been three or four nil. Fans shouting at the players during the game does not help, however. And record blew up. Says, first time in a long time, I thought, what is the point? We were terrible all over the pitch. Willow soon put in a good shift and Brill did what he could do, but the other nine were so poor today. Rockets up the bums, please, Justin. Yeah, Ryan Deeney, 2194. Speaking as a Moors fan here, from the off, you went direct, and when that wasn't working, nobody seemed to grab the game for you. From your point of view, hopefully Edinburgh can make your boys fitter 
breed some confidence and a way to cover the gaping holes in your midfield. That's interesting he says about being fitter because I think Dave or Matt commented or someone's commented about how fit Solihull are wow. and considering they're a part-time team, just yeah. it just shows you. Good maybe point. maybe these maybe this team aren't fit and maybe this is the hangover from not having a proper Possibly. pre-season. I love the fact we get tweets from other supporters. Like last week we had a Luton supporter, yeah. so we had Solihull. It's amazing. So thank you to that at Ox Ooch. So not sure that some of these players realise their own peril. This could be their last stop in their careers for them if things don't improve, rather than the spring ball back to the football league they hoped for. That's a great point. There. Yeah, or in Meat Pie tweeted saying, just getting back from the game, the most worrying thing is how much better Solihull were. Proof if it were needed as to how far we've fallen. Edinburgh has a very tough job with this very poor squad. Today, a new low point. Just coming back to Oxuch's point, in the previous three years, players had the excuse, well, it's the upstairs that no are the problem. But now, actually, you're showing yourself and you've got a perfect off-field. You've got a perfect environment as a football player to come in and play your football. I think I saw, well-resourced club. I think I saw a tweet saying, I don't think it was to us, saying, you know, away games are players stay overnight, you know, yeah. near the, and at this level, that doesn't normally happen. So they're treated really well. It's a very well, well club these them. days, and yeah. that's not being reflected on the pitch. At K underscore Leontier, <laughs> so we just haven't got to grips with losing Elikobi and Coulson since September. It's been a rudderless ship with no leaders on the pitch. Maybe we got away with it for a month, but the lack of physical presence in central midfield is costing us too. I'd go as far as to say Charlie Lee as well, who was obviously doing a lot more than we, what we realised at the time. So yeah. it's his injury as well. The midfield have been so easy to cut through. We've really yeah. missed a battler and an enforcer in the middle. Lawless hasn't done it. Clay seems to be getting criticised more and more every week, which is really surprising. Oshing seems to be finding it difficult. I think that's centre mid for thinking we had too much choice is actually the main bone of contention at the moment, along with the centre backs. Yeah, absolutely. And and Craig Clay's had two good games as far as I can really think of recent time. It's when Ross pushed him further forward. Yeah in his two interim games in charge and he seems to have reverted back and it just doesn't either doesn't suit his game or it's just there's something wrong there Hope Boy 291 tweeted saying didn't expect a massive turnaround for the first match but hints at deeper issues regarding quality and commitment of players and what actually is the role of a football director I think we need, need to get Martin on at some point to talk about his role because I think there's still a massive amount of confusion I think he's probably being criticised for things that he doesn't control there at CM Oriental that, that said though Nigel, Ken and Rich were here and I'm sure we spoke about the director of football side of things or we've spoken about it a couple of times. I've, I've certainly have about the director of football and what go, what he does. I don't, so I still don't understand why there's We confusion. didn't with Nigel, Ken Did and Rich. No, we did earlier in the season but I think people just need to know a bit more right. about what he's doing so we'll try and get Martin on very soon. Okay. See more interested. I do think Justin Ennebel will turn us around. I don't think we would lose yesterday but let's see what he can do. I'm sure once Coulson and the fridge are back it will be better, referring obviously as Ellie Kobe. Yeah. Just have to keep hoping for the rubber of the green to bounce our way soon. And final word this week goes to Charlie underscore Paul, who said, these players are not bad players. Everyone calm down. He's had three days to work with them. A few new players. Get our confidence back game by game. We will be fine. Good players with extremely low confidence. Form is temporary. Fully expect them to turn it around. Yeah, so, so thank you for all your yeah. tweets following the game on Saturday. Those are all tweets at Orient Alex. So the prediction league update. Only one correct prediction yesterday. Everyone pretty much thought we would win that game yesterday. So well done to at Steve White LFC who predicted 1-0 to Solihull. So no change 
at the top of the Prediction League as Samuel LFC still top on 15 points, followed by Lawton Gamps and Unexpected Item Zero on 14 points, and in the third, Nice Shot Steve, Smithjack7, and Tony underscore Antonio all on 13 points. And thank you for all your predictions yesterday. Keep them coming into the podcast. Yep, happy 20... So, Sunday the 3rd of December, happy 21st birthday to Orient left-back Christian Scales. Uh, there were no ladies match this week. They're back in action next Sunday as they face up to Wimbledon. Yeah, so good luck to the ladies next yep. Sunday. So let's round it up then. So fantasy football update. Dave Hayton now leads the Orient Outlook Fantasy Football League on 861 points. He's seven points ahead of Sarah Garlic in second place. My rise up the table continues as I'm now in the top 100 in 98 places. Yes. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Fantastic. Very Thank proud. You. Very Told proud you. of you. So positives and negatives. Yep. We've appointed positives this week. We've appointed Justin Edinburgh. I've got that, yeah. Yeah, brilliant away support as always. And the under-18s result. Yeah, and I'm going to add Matt Hiscock's point as well, that there's 23 games left in the season, so yeah. there's still half Turn around the season to play for, including a transfer window. So that's four positives that you probably didn't think you'd hear. So here's four negatives that you probably expected to hear. Yeah. First one, yesterday's result was yeah. a shocker. Was yeah. a shocker. Secondly, no one in 15 games and in three, three months. months. That's a third of the season that we haven't won a game in, which yeah. is terrible. And the third and fourth are kind of interlinked. So a lack of effort and desire and fight from the players which is deteriorating the relationship between players and fans at an alarming level. I don't think I've ever seen this. There's been yeah. James Sunders White earlier, a couple of weeks ago, having his altercation with fans. Saturday Joby, it's just fading. And I think until we win a game, I think that's probably going to continue to fade that relationship. So really sad to see. So let's move on then to our hero of the week. This week is Dean Brill. So well done, Dean. You were brilliant. Well done, Brill. You did Brill. You did Brill. Well done, mate. So, no, to be fair, two and a half years, like Matt said, he's not played a, a first team, you know, he's not kicked the ball in anger in, in the first team, yeah. of course, I had to save. So, you know, he's done well. He's come on. He's kept us in the game. It could have been much, much worse. So, moving on then, next week's fixtures. Just the one fixture coming up this week is we've got Sutton United at home on Saturday, the 9th of December. And just to remind you, Steve will be there with the brand new Orient Outlook podcast mugs. Sutton are top of the National League on 42 points. They beat easily 2-0 at home. So this will be a very, very, very tough fixture for us. If you're going, come over, say hello, have a chat. And buy a mug. And buy a mug. <laughs> Other dates this week, it's a busy week for the audience. Yes. Tomorrow night on Monday, the Loft AGM takes place at the Leighton Stone and District Ex-Servicemen's Club. Two Harvey Road, Leighton Stone, E11, 3DB. If you're going to sat nav it, use that postcode. Doors yeah. open at 7pm for a half past seven start. It's only a few minutes from the station as well, from Leighton Stone Station. It's not far. Yes. Yeah, I think that was where one of the other loft meetings was last year. One of the it big ones upstairs. The big so. one. That's right. So get there early to get a seat, basically. And as also, we previously mentioned, Danny Webb's under-18 team will Danny be making Webb. the trip to the... Stop it, you hooligan. Um, we'll be making the trip to the Hawthorns on Tuesday, the 5th of December, third round of the FA Youth Cup. Have a safe journey if you're going. I am actually going to be trying to go, yeah. so um, I'm not sure if anybody else is going and driving back to Hainault afterwards. If Please you get are, in touch. Yeah. If you are, that would be appreciated. I can chip in with petrol money. Um, you'll be seeing a cup upset and another victory for the young O's all be well. Remember we did we had well, hopefully, Leicester. Hopefully, mate. Hopefully is the key word. Hopefully yeah. is the key word, yeah. And I remember we had Leicester last yeah, season. Yeah, we did. We gave an extremely good account of ourselves. Yeah, I think we lost 3-1. Three, 3-1. Three, one. Three, one. Three, one. Tristan, and that was a, Tristan scored a penalty just before half-time. Oh, great memory. Great memory. There we go. So that's it. Let's yeah. wrap this bad boy up. So thanks for joining us <clears> for episode 124. It's been a busy week at the O's with plenty of goings on. On Wednesday... 
Cup appointed Justin Edinburgh as head coach in a move that we are sure will bring success to the club in the long term. And it was great to see Laurie Cunningham honoured by the council with his statue in the Coronation Gardens. On the pitch on Saturday, it was another disappointing result with another loss against bottomside Solihull as the O's still sit just one place and three points above the relegation zone. We'll be back with episode 125 next week and we think we have a special guest for this one that we will announce later in the week. It will be interesting, so make sure you listen and obviously that will contain all the news and views that you could ever need. Yeah, if you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Give us a bit of a review. Be very much appreciated. Only takes a minute to do that. If you're listening on SoundCloud, TuneIn and Stitcher, make sure you've got us added to your favourites and that way you'll get all the podcasts as soon uh, as we upload them. Uh, if you've got someone who isn't particularly tech savvy, do, do us a favour, help 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 them out. Um, lend them your phone or, or if they have a computer or something, help them to, to find it, download it for them. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you as always. We are on social media. We're on Facebook, search Orient Outlook Podcast. We're on Twitter at Orient Outlook. We are on Instagram, Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast. Good old fashioned snail, uh, not snail mail really, is it? You could write to us if you wanted to. I'm not going to give you the details. Do whatever you want. We're on the social um, line pretty much every Monday or Friday. If you see us, <laughs> yeah. come and say hello. We're always around. So that's it. So we're going to leave you this week uh, with a Tom Petty song. Um, we think it's appropriate. And uh, it's a tune. And it is a yeah. big fat tune. So thanks for listening. All, as always, keep calm and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up, Up the O's. O's. And buy our mugs. Yeah, get in touch about the mugs. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>